Blog Talk Radio. showing up. This one's going to be a little different. Uh, Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the amazingly wicked one, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. Okay, if you are new to the show, welcome. But as always, Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show, so bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might upset you. This is not the show for you, but in addition to that today, if you are upset by or triggered by discussions of suicide, uh, suicide ideation, uh, planning suicide, attempts, any of the depression uh, things, the sadness things, we're going to be talking about a lot of it and all of it if possible in this hour. So. I will try to remember to give an additional warning during the show, but you guys know I'm in 110%. With me for the hour is the amazing journalist and author, Terrence P. Ward. Wow. So you wrote Empty Cauldrons, and I've got to tell you, thank you so much for coming on with me today. I am thrilled to be here, Rena. He says that now. Okay, so let's let's just dive into this. You were supposed to be on the show uh, back in February, and I had to cancel, and as a lot of my listeners know, the reason I had to cancel all of my February shows was because my husband was almost killed in a head-on collision. And you talk about something coming up to you at the exact right time. This book, whew, This book has taken my breath away. I've I've got to tell folks, this is the book I wish I'd had as a young person, not just as a young witch, because what I went through as a child, um, the abuse that I've been through, uh, the abandonment issues that I now have, as a matter of fact, I was recently diagnosed as having ADD, but once this accident happened a couple of months ago, they put me on anxiety meds. So this is all new for me. Um, And I've got to tell you, it's really interesting. You know, during the pandemic, we talked about the fact that we all had to do shadow work. Honey, I thought I was doing shadow work. I wasn't doing shit until this. Seriously. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, the whole idea of, of doing shadow work and digging out the darkness and and going through all the things, man, I thought I'd been working on my shit. I wasn't anywhere near it. And this book just happened at the right time. So, okay, so you're not 15 anymore. I want to know what made you write this when you wrote it, because obviously this book came out a couple of months ago, a few months ago, 
And you didn't know the pandemic was going to happen, did you? No, I did not know there was going to be a pandemic. Right. It so was, what was brought it was, you was to this? What, what, was it? Yeah, I, okay. I, tell me the story. I love the story. I've been tiptoeing into finding ways to write about depression for 10 or more years because I found that 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 the silencing aspect of depression is one of the things that that makes it so awful. And by tiptoeing in, I mean I I I wrote a blog post about what I thought about how depression might relate as a pagan many several years ago. And then as as you might know, I uh I was a writer and news editor at the Wild Hunt and the uh, the the uh the uh, managing editor at the time, Heather Green, pays attention to these mm-hmm. things. And, and Heather saw that blog post and said, I think there's an article in this, and I, and I think you should write it. And I, I found some sources, as, as a journalist is supposed to do, and talked about, and I wrote yeah. a, an article about depression in a pagan, treating depression in a pagan context, I think is what it was called. Well, as Heather told me some years later that it was consistently one of the most read articles on that site. And when if both of us ended up moving on in our lives to different things, Heather is now an acquisitions editor at Llewellyn. And she came yep. to me um, in t- probably in late 2018 and said, I think that there's a book in this depression thing, and I think that you should be the one to write it. And we talked about it, and I figured out what that meant, and I I yeah. took the plunge. And it took longer than I thought it was going to. It I knew it was going <laughs> to be hard, and it was actually was harder than I thought it was. It was going to be in a few ways, but I got through yeah. it. And then lo and behold, I got to publish it in 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 the shadow of a of a pandemic. Wow, that's amazing. You know. You talk about things being kismet and the right place at the right time, the right book at the right time, the right person, when you fall in love at the right time. And, you know, I hadn't started reading the book when I first got it because it was just before my husband's accident. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I knew he was going to stay alive, I, I very slowly tried to get back into my life. It's only been a couple of months since he's even been home from the hospital. But the feeling of overwhelming fear is something I am still dealing with literally on a daily basis. And I was telling you before we went on the air, I haven't read the entire book yet because for three days in a row, I can't get through it without crying. Now, I'm not saying that it's a tearjerker in that regard. What I'm saying is this book is so relatable to any kind of feelings of negativity and sadness. It's the overwhelming sadness that that gets me, The, the feeling of you're in a hole and you feel like you're never going to get out. That's about it. Yeah. So, but, okay, so the thing that I thought, you know, and, and I was very honest, I said I am going to talk about my suicide attempt. I am about to talk about that now, so if anybody has concerns, this would be the time to exit. 
Um, but I, I attempted suicide when I was 12, um, and I was, I was in a very abusive household. A lot of folks know my father was a pastor, but he wasn't a good kind of pastor. He was a bad man and, you know, like used to watch, like used to make me watch him hurt my pets, a lot of mind control, a lot of fear-based uh, manipulation, a lot of gaslighting, things of that nature. And, you know, when people see a child like that, they think, oh, you know, that's, that's a sad kid. Some kids are just sad. And there are periods of time where people are just sad. Sometimes shit is just shit. It's not all magic-based or whatever. You know, life just happens. Um, but because I was so traumatized by my upbringing, you know, I had a long time to think about and not really know, is it that I was depressed because of my circumstance or is it that I was sad because of my circumstance? Because I feel that sadness and depression are two different things. Is that accurate? Oh, that is definitely accurate. Uh, I, I would actually go so far as to say that, that sadness is one of the feelings that depression can depress. It, it just, the, the way it overcomes and overwhelms you, it, it, it's like you're, you're caught with the sob in your throat and you're never able to get it out. It, 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 it's like it, yeah. it freezes you in, in that moment of peak pain. Yeah. So when, when you had these feelings of depression, how young were you when, when, it first, uh, when you first realized that you weren't experiencing life like other people? Well, that's not the same thing as how young was I when I was first depressed because I didn't realize how far off I was until I was I was verging on adulthood and and I actually wow. had the opportunity to get get a professional diagnosis. I I had seen therapists. I I mm-hmm. Felt, I, I felt like the unpopular kid. I didn't think that it was anything deeper mm-hmm. inside me that that was that was causing that. But if if I if I look back at at my behavior and and, and events in my life, I'd have to say I was I was probably no older than ten when it began. Yeah, it's amazing how sensitive children are to the things around them. You know, I I used to tell everybody that I had two children because my father was, you know, mentally unstable, and Mm -hmm. I I was the only child, and I was afraid because I never had anybody to consult with because my mother was his accomplice. It's not that I was being protected by anyone. So I purposely had two children, and I have told that they're both in their 30s now, but I've told them the reason why there were two of them was in case mommy went nuts, that they would be able to consult with each other. And I'm very serious. I mean, I know it sounds funny, but I'm very serious about that because I was so alone. Well, in school, I had other friends who were also depressed um, when we were kids, you know, or overwhelmingly sad. I'm not quite sure I know 
the line between extreme sadness and depression. So forgive me if I use the terms incorrectly, but I think, I think you know what I'm going for. But, you know, there was a plan that a friend of mine and I had that we were going to show them. You're going to feel bad if I'm gone. So what we did was we got a bunch of pills from the cabinet because my father had every pill known to man. But for some reason, I mean, you're talking about two preteens. No clue. So we grabbed Mm -hmm. the aspirin and we said, okay, I'm going to swallow this bottle. And my friend swallowed the other bottle's worth of pills. And we waited and we hung out and we laughed and we talked about, you know, what's going to happen when they find us and all these different things because we were going to show them. So, of course, you know, she went home. I had dinner with my family. I wasn't feeling all that good. I figured, okay, this is starting to take effect. And I just smiled as my father railed like he always did. Um, all night long, sometimes standing over my bed screaming at me because of who knows what. Um, So I went to sleep, and I woke up the next morning, obviously. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, my first thought was, okay, I was going to show him by offing myself. And when I woke up, I thought, oh, he would have wanted that. So my next thought after that was, Fuck him. I'm going to live in spite of him. And that was nice. it. I don't know. You, you, you found know. a way to your own I strength just, there, huh? I guess. I Either that or I was just so clueless on how to successfully do it, and it was divine providence that I managed to not off myself. And after that, you know, it's not like I wasn't depressed because I was all the time. I mean, my entire teen years into my early adulthood, um, there was always this feeling of, because when your parents don't want you and you know it for a fact, I mean, it's not the, the thoughts of a child anymore when it's been proven and discussed in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that feeling of just not being wanted by the, by the people who are supposed to want you around the most, it changes you. And you don't trust anyone. And there is a pit of sadness that lives inside of you that you just, I mean, I'm 60 years old. I still have it. It's still in there. That abandonment, that, that fear of, you know, losing everyone I love, for whatever reason, you know, then my husband's accident happens. I mean, it's just been this rolling thing. And I will tell you, during the Trump years, very bad. And it's not really improved. And (laughs) it's like, I feel like I'm in this hole and I can't get out. And I know it's not just me. But, But this book has been so wonderful with with exercises and things to even just distract me because I've been having a really, really hard time and my sadness now has just, I just can't seem to shake it. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. From from what I can tell, it, 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 it goes from 
extreme emotions to depression when you're you've just had it up to your limit and your limit is based not only on everything you've experienced and the trauma you're carrying from when you're a child which we all have to some extent but also the your the fears about the world around us and and the conditions Mm -hmm. environmental and spiritual and and our ancestral trauma it and each person has their own individual stress threshold and once yeah. you get to it, it's, it, it leaves you susceptible to, to depression coming in and, and, and make, setting up housekeeping, as they say in the fairy tales. Yeah. But you're, you believe that it's a spirit, do you not, that depression is I a do. spirit? That, that, yeah, talk about that a little bit. I, uh, uh, it's, it's it's my own bias of being an animist. I tend to think everything is a spirit. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons yeah. why it 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 came to me earliest from about depression is that it absolutely is a voice in your head telling you awful things about yourself or about other people or about the world. And when you have a voice yeah. in your head that's that's speaking really with your own voice, it it has an effect. And it makes you change how you behave and how you feel and what you think about the motivations of other people. And it just, mm-hmm. it just seems to be that there's no question that this is, in fact, a spirit. The, the, what I can't tell you is whether it's malevolent or it means well. Because there's actually, I've, I've read the research that I hinted at, and I think in some of it in my book, that suggests that one of the the origins of depression could be an evolutionary uh, thing that was to help protect either us or our community when we were injured or ill by minimizing our 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 contact with others in our community and and perhaps allowing us to heal and allowing others not to catch something if we had something and that suggests to me that if this is a spirit and it's changing our behavior in this way that it means well, though it doesn't really do well any longer, kind of like an appendix isn't all that helpful, especially on a bad day, but used to be awfully helpful, we huh. think. Yeah, we think, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But, uh, and true. I mean, it is true. And, and I see what you're saying, because I'm an animist as well, and I believe everything is alive. I don't know if, if that's exactly the same belief as being an animist in the sense of I understand your your thought is that everything is a spirit or has a spirit. My thing is that just everything's breathing, everything's alive. It's just I have humanized or given life to everything. It's just a matter of how closely the molecules are bouncing off of each other. But I can't argue you know, with that. You all, yeah, I mean, you also talk about it being a generational thing that is passed down, a spirit that, that can go from one person to another in the family. And I find that really interesting because my experience of it in my own family is I was concerned that it was a thing that I had to warn my kids about. Um, but they're totally fine so far that I know of. I mean, we've had disagreements. You can't be alive and someone's child uh, without getting some kind of their ick on you. 
I have tons of sure. it on me for my parents. My kids have tons of Vic on them for me, and their father is just, it's messy. And I don't know if it's a spirit that gets passed down or if, as people, we are just fucking messy. Yeah, it could be either way. I think if it, if it is a spirit that stays with families, it doesn't necessarily um, pick someone in every generation. I, I yeah. think it, it 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 might like a particular family and say, "Oh, look, you're you're a good candidate. I think I think you're going to make a home for me soon," because it it kind of has to be invited yeah. in by 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 our circumstances. You know, we we unintentionally open the door for it. Well, um, but aren't there circumstances that you can't really avoid that? That's what I'm saying. We don't mean to open the door, but like sometimes we open the door yeah. because we trip and fall and, and, and fall into the door and it opens. Yeah. I don't know. I think sometimes people are just standing there waiting to just come on in. Come on. We're going <laughs> to tell you that it's going to be cool. And then we're going to bust you up once we get you inside and we're going to gaslight you and we're going to fuck with your reality and make sure that, as bad as we feel, we're going to make you feel twice as bad. And I understand where it comes from in my family in the sense of my, uh, relative, my father's brothers and sisters um, knew that there was something wrong with him. But back in those days, we didn't talk about mental illness. They said he was a quote-unquote nervous person, and they pumped him full of pills, but that didn't cure any of the illness in him, you know, the illness part of the mental illness is what needs treatment mm-hmm. and care. And I think if my father had gotten the help that he needed and was able to talk about it, I mean, you're talking about the 50s and 60s, um, you know, it was a sign of weakness to discuss being sad. You weren't supposed to be sad. There was nothing to be sad about. Like it was some kind of a a horrible plague that you could pass to other people. I mean, in some respects, I guess you can pass it to other people, but the 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 need to shut it all down had to be so unhealthy. Oh sure, and and honestly, that's I think that even though we have made strides, I I expect that there are people who will listen to this who who don't feel like they can admit how much they're struggling because it it's a terrifying thought to to be that vulnerable. Yeah, you know, I guess that's true. I I'm probably at an age where I just don't really care about that anymore that you know i'm I'm successful in my day life i'm successful in my evening life for the most part i just have this horrible thing that creeps into my brain and doesn't let me rest but i'm functional i'm a functional depressed person who's getting treatment you know I, i was getting treatment in college and i never thought about after that first suicide attempt i never really gave it more consideration because it then became a vendetta for me to stay alive. And, I mean, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, and I was never supposed to live to 21, and I was never supposed to have kids. And my aunt had died from it when I was five years old, and I had it just as bad, if not worse, because the person giving me the trauma was constantly in my life. Yeah. So 
I beat I beat every odd to show him up, and he's dead now. So I made it. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> you know. And I'm sure at some point when I cross over, there's going to be some kind of a conversation of, I'm really sorry I fucked you up, and I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm really sorry I had to slam you for the rest of my life. But that's how shit goes, dude. <laughs> Tell me about your experience with with suicidal thoughts or actions. You know, did you were you really young when you attempted? Tell me a little bit about that if you're comfortable with it. Yeah, my uh, my 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 experiences happened in uh, through a, a period of time through my uh, mid-teens to early twenties, and it yeah. when I when I reflect on it, which 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 I have since since you you asked if if we could talk about this, um, I realized that mm-hmm. in in each case it was triggered for me by something related to love, either unrequited love or relationship that mm-hmm. went sour. It seemed to be that was like the tipping point in my case. Um, and wow. I, I think there were maybe three different times that, that I, I actually went through and, and, uh, and, and made my plan, which, which like you was, was, was pill based. And, and I'll tell you, I, it's, it's, it seems to be, at least, at least back in the day, it was a lot harder to to finish the deed with pills than than one might have expected. I think there are much much more right. legal pills in the world now, and it probably is a lot easier. But clearly, I wasn't very good yeah. at it. <laughs> um, but uh, the uh, the final time that was uh, was when I was in my my early twenties and uh, and through my 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 first round of college and my roommate realized there was something deeply wrong with my behavior because of the amount of uh, medication I had in me. And it led to my one and only uh, time being uh, involuntarily uh, placed in a, uh, in a facility to help me. And it was, it was a life altering experience. It was, it was, it was really for me. It was exactly what I needed. I, I, I'm the kind of person that needs to be picked up and shaken by 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 the gods, mm-hmm. by people, by circumstances for things to have a change. And it was the change I needed. Yeah, that's amazing. So, what what did you have an aha moment of this is bullshit? I'm not going to try this again. I. Uh, I don't think I, I I I had that blessing. I think you that was phenomenal that that you had that experience. I um after I after my my hospitalization, I I I basically went through cycles of of difficult depression that when I was younger was absolutely paralyzing, but over time as and I as I've discovered from talking to other people, if it happens again and again, which it does for some of us, you recognize sure. it. You you recognize the warning signs. You can you can take you can take uh, measures, and it's also something that you tend to get through quicker. Even even though it it sucks, it's it's like okay, I know what this is. I I know what needs to happen internally 
for me to get through to the other end, and I know that there is an end to it, and it doesn't have to end in my death. Right, right. Very true. Yeah, I, I have, you know, sometimes I have to rethink that because, like, about 10 years ago, or no, actually at this point it's 20 years ago, standing in my office, and it's raining outside, and I'm just, I don't know why the thought went through my brain that I just wanted to lay down and not wake up. And there was no reason for me. There were no extenuating circumstances. I hadn't had an argument with my spouse. Everything was fine. But for some reason, it just crossed my mind that it would be so nice if I could just lay down and never get up again. And I don't know if that's necessarily a suicidal ideation in the sense of I have no intention of killing myself ever again. But I do experience thoughts of I wonder what would happen or I wonder how this would feel or I wonder what would happen if I took this action. No plan, just thinking about it. Isn't that something everybody does? It's certainly something I've done. I I I've and it's certainly there are I think a lot of people have those sorts of thoughts. Uh, how long they, we linger over them depends, I think, on on who we are and and in that moment. Uh, but but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And 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 you and I what I hear you distinguishing is that it's it's the actionable plan that is a difference between the the yeah. exploration of different ideas and the the uh the expectation that you're going to be ending your life in the near future right it's also for me and i know this is going to sound crazy and you're probably going to laugh at me it's the thought of getting on and i'm terrified of airplanes i had a very bad experience on an airplane we almost collided with another plane this was back <laughs> in the 80s and it was it was bad uh, and my mother screamed the whole time, and everyone on the plane was looking at her to shut up. And she shook, it shook me so badly that I was never able to enjoy a plane ride again after that. And that's over 40 years ago. So for me, mm-hmm. the idea of getting on an airplane is super-duper cool. I'm not fucking doing it. See what I mean? <laughs> Same difference. You yeah, can I think hear you. about shit without you. it having to happen, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's for good or bad. Now, what you were saying earlier about depression, perhaps protecting you and protecting those around you because it quiets you down, and I'm not saying this is a positive. I'm just saying this is an observation because when I have – it depends on the type of depression because there's the manic depression, which my father had, and the bipolar that he had, you know, the – high, high highs and the super deep lows. And, you know, he tried to kill my mother and he tried to kill me. And, you know, you kind of almost get numb to certain things after you've seen what somebody else would do to you about it. Kind of like, for me, it made my will to live stronger. But, you know, like I was saying to you before we went on, when my husband had the accident, um, I am, I'm still shook, obviously, over the whole thing and upset mm-hmm. and terrified every time he's out of my sight. 
the other night I was again trying to get through more of your book and I'm I'm reading it and I'm like, Oh my God and I, I want people to get this book because if you're sad and dep- or depressed and you have somebody in your life who is sad and or depressed, this book is so cool. It, it will give you things to try to kind of like help you deal. I'm not going to say to wipe out your sadness and depression. I don't think that's healthy. I think we have to acknowledge what we feel. But um, what I was saying was, I was reading it and all of a sudden this overwhelming sadness just hit me again and the thought again went through my mind. It would be so much easier if I were not living right now because the pain of this fear that I'm going through is so overwhelming. Obviously, I didn't do it, but Mm -hmm. I think that's a thing. I, I think people are going through this and... I, I'm so glad we're able to talk about it now, but I still don't think we're talking about it enough. Do you? No, no. I think there. I, I think it's 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 good to recognize that 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 humans are a lot more complex. I, even one of the things you're you're reminding me of is that I I am just now recovering from the first cold I've had in two years. I I forgot what wow. colds were like. Yeah. It was. Yep. A worse. It, it took longer than than I expected. But what really struck me is that when I was coming down with this cold, it was mm-hmm. indistinguishable from having depression come into my life. It it it, wow. it 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 had all the same signals in my body until my I still I started like sneezing. It it just it mm-hmm. felt the same in my mind as as depression coming up, and I it. It just really struck me, you know, it's not that our body is one thing and our mind is another. We are we are singular beings that just express on different levels of energy. Oh, totally. Absolutely. You know, I, I have, it's funny that you say that because that's how you experience a cold. I experience it the same way because I have Crohn's disease as a Crohn's disease mm-hmm. attack. So an ileocoidal attack feels to me like the the depression because it starts with the knot in the stomach and everything radiates out from that point, whether it's fear about having a conversation that I don't want to have, like at work or something, or um, being nervous about an upcoming event or Anything. It just all starts the same way between a Crohn's attack and a, and a panic attack, for lack of a better term. It's a term, very tender have, moment. You know, you're, these, you're very tender. It is, and I'm having. Yeah. So it's like, oh, what is this? Am I am I having a Crohn's attack, or am I just upset? And it's interesting because the first thing I go to is, I'm upset, even when I'm not. And I've discovered something really super interesting about myself, and I don't know if it's just me, so I want to bounce this off of you as well. Uh-huh. I've realized over time that my fear of bad news is not as great as my fear of the unknown. The unknown, once I have the facts of a situation, it's infinitely more 
I, I have a much better ability to deal with it than information I just simply do not have. Um, and it's taken almost my entire life to figure that out because I always told myself I had a horrible fear of bad news. But interestingly enough, when the bad news happens, we're very adaptable humans and we're, we have a lot of coping skills for a lot of different things and, a, and they look different uh, depending on what the problem is. But it's, it suddenly occurred to me that, no, as long as I have the information, I'm going to handle whatever happens, but it's the not knowing that really gets me and makes me so much worse. Yeah, your imagination is infinite, and, and, if, and if you're focused on the negative possibilities, there's an infinite number of them you can imagine. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> I'm very creative. In those, yeah, that's what my mother was. She Are was like the most too? phenomenal warrior. Wow. Tell me more. Tell me more. Oh yeah, my well, my it, my, my my mother worried. Uh, uh, the way my father put it is that um, my mother didn't believe uh, is that he had to explain to my mother that um, the sparrows didn't need her help to fly. God could take care of that. Uh, Interesting. But, it, it, the, the, the way she worried actually is, is, is relevant here because I, um, she, would, she, would, she would worry about very odd and unlikely things that might happen. Like uh, when I was 17, I got a job with a uh, – I got a new job, and, and she said, well – you you you're you're gonna call right because I know you said he's gonna call, but what if he has the wrong number? Mom, he's not gonna have the wrong number. You know what? He had the wrong number. Wow. My, and and I, I I think my mother actually was expressing some powerful psychic gifts through her worry, yeah. and it made me really kind of reluctant to explore like magic and psychic things because I was like, well, is it that she's predicting bad things or is she causing them? I wasn't really clear about it and it scared me. And, and, and I think that <laughs> the reason why it was through worry is because she, she, she had a number of different triggering events that, that really caused her some very powerful depression over decades. And it was, it was a yeah. struggle for her. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, I'm thinking that you, our parents were probably, obviously my parents were a bit older um, because I'm older than you, um, but it Barely. seems like some of that is very generational, and it, it just occurs to me that in my father's day and my, you know, and when my mother is still alive, but that's a whole other kettle of fish we're not going to go into right now, um, <laughs> but the the... The idea of, you know, my father was very paranoid, and there's a difference between using a psychic ability and just having balls-out paranoia. Uh, my mother, actually her mother would predict several things or call me and, and talk to me about something that had happened that she could not have had any idea about, 
And I always mm-hmm. found it very interesting. And when she would talk to me about relationships with men, for example, she's like, oh, you know, you'll find a nice guy and you'll settle down and everything will be wonderful. Well, it took three husbands to get in there. You know, my father was of the idea that no one would ever love me, no one would ever want me, my existence was pointless. So I have a real heart for people who experience life feeling that way. Um, And I think in a lot of weird respects, that's a gift too, because the constant beatdown helps you see the broken bird and want to mend its wing. You know what I mean? Yes, I, uh, I I think that you're 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 speaking some real wisdom there because I'll I'll tell you, and I've only noticed this in 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 recent years, people want me to listen to what they're struggling with. I don't ask them for this, but people do come yeah. to me and and talk to me about about things and you know and engage me in that way and i think the reason why perhaps part of the reason i'm able to is because of what i've been through absolutely absolutely the only way you can relate to someone in my feeling is that you have the empathetic response because you've been through it um i think you know listen for me the term empathy gets tossed around way too fucking much and not attributed in the necessarily correct way. I think everyone, by virtue of being human, has a certain level of empathy, whether it's a good level or a bad level is a totally different conversation. But I think just as being a fellow person, there's there's some place to relate. But when you've had a shared experience like that, I mean, yeah, you and people can feel that. People can feel, I believe, when you're understanding them and you're relating to them. You know, I don't think it has to be necessarily, you know, a woo-woo thing. I think it's just a human thing, don't you? Yeah, yeah. There's there, there's something we don't really understand about the connection that humans can have with one another, and I think a lot of us learned it when we were only talking to each other through screens. Oh yeah. Ooh. Ooh yeah. Right. It is, oh, it is not shit. the same. Bang bang! Shots fired! <laughs> Shots fired! No, seriously, I have to agree with you. Listen, my kids remember a time before the screen. Um, and I Ooh, will tell you old. that I am proud. Well, they're 30. They're in their 30s. So, yeah, I mean, they didn't always have a phone. Um, they didn't get phones until they were in their teens. They do know of a life before it. I know it seems so weird, right? It's not that long ago. But I'm, yeah. I'm addicted to the screen. What I don't like is how the screen separates people and gives people license to hurt each other emotionally and cause people to feel pain for sport. Pain for sport is fucked. And I hate that people are doing this to each other. And the screen made it easy. Yeah, because we're not engaging fully with other humans. It is a, I, I think I've heard you say this on your show. It's a lot harder to say these things to someone face-to-face. Oh, yeah. It's a lot harder to be a dick in person than it is behind a computer screen. 
when you're sitting there in your underwear, picking your nose and drinking a beer or whatever the fuck it is, when you, you know have a camera in my house? somebody would look at Hey, (laughs) no, but seriously, I think people are so in so much pain because there's no other reason to need to feel better. The only time people need to feel better is if they're hurting bullies, uh, screen jockeys, whatever it is, bullies in person. These are all actions that come from some kind of pain. That's not an excuse at all. It's merely my idea of an explanation. So if that many people are in that much pain that they have to hurt other people, I mean, listen, I've been attacked for any fucking number of things, the color of my hair, the size of my ass, the fact that I got a big fucking mouth, name it, don't give a shit. But the fact of the matter is you have to get to a level at a certain point in life where you can, you can walk past that. Now, not everybody has that ability. But I think because of the way I was raised, that because I've dealt with it in so many different ways over so many decades, it's given me the tools to be able to say, fuck you and everybody who looks like you. I don't give a shit anymore. Say what the fuck you want. I'm going to keep on being me. Like it, don't like it, don't care. Boom. Done. You know? And I just wish other people didn't have to get that armor that way. I wish that armor could be learned through a different set of circumstances where if someone is, you know, throwing heat at you, you don't feel like you have to react or you don't feel like you have to protect yourself. I I don't know how we get to that, but the fact that we can talk about our pain now, man, it's a step. It's a step I didn't have. No kidding. I I it, the the yeah. fact that you said that that this is the book you wish you had really is is important yeah. to me because I I I aimed to write the book that would have helped me. Absolutely, and it's such a beautiful book. I mean, listen it. <laughs> People know when you're full of shit. They just fucking do. People are smart. <laughs> and, well, they, I mean, either that or you're the greatest storyteller in the fucking world. Either one is a gift, right? So, but when you come across a book and it's like, oh, my God, I, I can't get through this yet because I keep crying, that's not a negative, my friends. That is a huge-ass positive. I will be here to tell you. I'm 60 years old. I read a lot of fucking books in my time. You can trust and believe. But, you know, just the things that I've used in your book to distract me, because I skipped to the back a few times, obviously, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, I can, you know, the poetry and the, you got to read the book to know what I'm talking about, right, folks? you got to get this book, that's what I'm saying. I, I just anybody who doesn't have the pain that who doesn't have a pain that this book cannot relate to and touch and I think the fact that this book is out there now listen folks have written books about you know self-help books quote-unquote that are like you know oh get your hair cut differently and you'll feel so much better fuck you will not it just means I'm out 200 bucks that's all it you know, not that they're not, they're not a thing, because it is. I believe in retail. 
<laughs> but uh, the the truth is is that when you have something you know where you're at is it's an important thing to have it's it's a gift that you've given the world by having this book out there you know again we pagans don't have a lot of these books we don't get these you know I, i'm so happy to see things expand and that authors are, are are putting these kind of things out there now whereas you would never talk about this before it was like you know oh depression it's a shadowy thing we can't say the word blah 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 you know so this is beautiful i'm really glad you think so and and i will tell you that i i think this is the start of something wonderful because i know that there are more books coming from other people and and that's exactly that i couldn't be more thrilled to know that more people are willing to talk about things because I don't have experiences with things like bipolar or anxiety. I can't tell you where, mm-hmm. where, where, where you can find your solace. And, and I'm thrilled that there are people out there who are w- willing to start thinking about talking about these things. I'd like to have a whole shelf of books about pagans and mental health. Of course. Oh, absolutely. I, I hope I hope there are more. I hope you write a follow-up. I hope you write about coping skills for all kinds of things. I mean, depression is very real, absolutely. But there's so many things. We're, we're all we're pagan, but we're still human. And, but the the ideologies of most of the writers out there do not understand us. So it's it's great when one of our own does something that we can say, look, look what we have now. Isn't this wonderful? This is for us, you know, and things for us are are wonderful to me because I was raised in the time where we had, what, six authors? We had Buckland, we had Gardner, we had uh, Sybil Leak. We, I mean, I'm old, you know. Uh-huh. We had a few writers, and it was hard to get books. It was hard to get books on the craft, much less things geared for pagans uh, as far as, Specialty things like depression. I mean, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, that, you know, that wasn't I'm Gardnerian, a thing. Although, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm Gardnerian not by necessarily choice, but because that's what my mentor gave me and that's what I had and, you know, that's what we did, you know. But he didn't believe in all of the tenets, so we were Gardenias instead of Gardnerians, uh, which <laughs> I loved, you know. Because we really didn't follow the hard lines of certain things. You know, everything is not a third-degree secret. We just never played those that part of it. I, I, I almost said a bad word. I'm so sorry. But, no, I don't mean it that way. Because, I, I, listen, I'm, I still identify as Gardnerian. Um, but there, we were limited. We didn't have a lot of different ways to go in the 70s, you know. So it's nice. It's nice that that we have so many writers and I get to talk to all of these amazing people. And I'm so glad you you wrote this book. And I I hope you write a whole lot more books uh, about, you know, certainly different things for coping. It's so necessary because, listen, life happens. And it's happening at an alarming rate lately. I mean, the last six years have been freakish you know well actually yeah yeah the last six yeah 2016 man Woo! trump broke the world i'm just gonna say it it was a shit year yeah i mean 
I don't know. It's it's interesting because I was very upset before COVID became a thing, and I couldn't figure out why I was crying all the time, uh-huh. except for the fact that I hated the president at the time because he's a fucking <laughs> nut job, and I'm from where he's from, uh, and the idea that this idiot would try to run for president again scares the shit out of me. I'm just going to be candid with it. Um, but yeah, ever since that, it destroyed relationships, it destroyed friendships, it destroyed people's ability to reason. I had to let my ex-husband go, someone I, someone I was married to. I had to cut off completely because I'm like, you're too fucked up for me to deal with. Bye. And pagan. Bye. You know, it's just crazy. So, yeah, a lot has gone on. A lot, even if you weren't depressed before, the world has certainly given us a lot of things to be sad about at the very least, don't you think? No question. It is it is very intense and very, very challenging. And frankly, it's probably even challenging for people who have very different political views on the world because they're, I think that they're equally convinced that everything's going to fall apart because these idiots just don't understand how, how much danger we're in. Which I think everybody thinks that there's a bunch of idiots out there who don't understand how much danger we're in because we in the world are in a lot of danger right now. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Because if you didn't like the last president, you didn't like the pandemic, wait, we'll give you a war to think about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I'm exhausted. Whose life am I supposed to be afraid for next? I know, I know. It's uh, it's a bit of a mind-boggling thing, and I don't know where we go from here as far as what what's going to happen in the world, but I will tell you, the ability to come home at night and, you know, crack open a book and, you know, it's not a cure-all. I'm, I'm not going to say that this book is a cure-all. It is a wonderful tool. You know, if you need help, get help. I am currently getting help because I knew I could not deal with my shit. I thought I had been dealing with my shit, as I said earlier. I didn't know how much mm-hmm. shit I had to deal with. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I... I... Oh, cripes. I can't hear you. Hang on, I'm going to get another. I'm going to get another thingy and maybe I'll be able to hear you. Oh, boy. Are you there? Oh, Christ. Raina, I can't hear you at all. I'm going to have to figure this out. Yep, my things work. Let's see. I'm going to try again.
Oh my gosh. Yeah. 